right before the creation of the world, the Bible tells us that God had planned that Jesus Christ would come and he would be the way that we would find hope and salvation. That, that it was through Jesus that we would be connected to God. Now, the Bible says that was before the beginning of time. Now, since then, men and women have heard this message and they have believed it. Thousands of years before Jesus came into existence, they were thinking, one day, God's going to send a man and he's going to be the Messiah, the one who will bring us into a relationship with God. The whole of history points on this. But can you imagine how tough it would be to hear something like that and go, well, I wonder if that's going to work out. And it doesn't happen in your lifetime. The whole of history hinges on Easter. And, and so what I'm wondering is, how many times have we heard something that would point to Jesus and we've gone, oh yeah, maybe. Or, nah, doesn't really make sense to me, I can't see it. Looking at, at some research, I discovered that in the Bible, in the first half of the Bible, before Jesus turns up, there are um, at least, conservatively, 300 predictions that Jesus Christ was going to come to earth as a man. One theologian, a scholar whose name I can't remember because I can't pronounce it, he said he found 547 references to Jesus before he was actually born. So the whole of history was looking up to this moment, this Easter, Easter time. It's the, the week of passion. And, and that's the week we're remembering right now. It's why we talk about Jesus um, in this Easter series so much. And we've had three messages that we've shared with you. The first two uh, were by video. They're on our YouTube channel. They're branded like that. It says, look to Jesus. The first message that I shared was called, look to the cross. And then and, and the cross is one of the most um, widely regarded symbols in the world. Whether you're a Christian or whether you're a Hindu, whether you're uh, an atheist, it doesn't matter. You recognize the cross, you go, ah, oh, that's that Christian sign. And, and, and my point is that without the cross, there is no Easter. God had, for, for reasons that I, I still can't fully grasp, God had decided Jesus would die. That, that through death, he decided that through death, the sacrifice would, would be acceptable for us to come into relationship with Jesus, with God. And so we've got to look to Jesus through the cross. You, you can't have Jesus as your friend if you can't see the cross. Because without the cross, there is no salvation. And, and so, you know, we've got, um, we've got uh, an opportunity to acknowledge Jesus, say, well, yes, okay, I could accept based on the evidence and the data that there is proof that Jesus was a man. That's awesome. I acknowledge him. But unless we recognize and accept the cross of Jesus, there's no hope in the, in the life of Jesus. So we've got to look at Jesus through the cross. It means we've got to understand what that cross means. And, and today, I didn't have time to share it all, which is why we played the short video to remind you. But you could also go back and check that message out. There's plenty of Easter messages you could check that would help you to understand the power of the cross at Easter. In the second half of that message that I shared, there was a second side to it, which is probably why Christianity is not so popular 
And that is this. Because of the example of Jesus, if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to follow his example. And that means that we have to choose to embrace our own cross. Jesus died so that we could have hope, but the way we access that hope is to choose to die ourselves. And what does that mean? It means you've got to die to your preference, to your comfort. You're, you've got to say, look, I'm willing, even though it doesn't make sense sometimes, I'm willing to not to be the Lord of my life, not to be the boss, not to be the one that calls the shots. I'm willing to, to by saying I choose the cross, I'm saying Jesus is my Lord. And it's not that popular because we kind of like to be in charge of our lives. We kind of like to, 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 to feel like we're in control. We like to be the, the champion of our own destiny. And we also want to make sure that life feels good while we're doing the journey. And the suffering side of the Christian message often gets pushed down because it's not popular. But when we look to the cross, we've got to understand that firstly, without the cross, there is no hope in Jesus. And secondly, to embrace that hope, we have to at some point pick up that cross for ourselves. That was the first message, look to the cross. And in those mes that message and the next message, there are some questions that you can pause and ponder and think about as part of that journey. The second message Phil Brown shared last week, and it was uh, about the empty tomb. And again, that was the second half of the video that we shared for the children and the not-so-small children. But the empty tomb is the hope of the message because, yes, Jesus died, but as you saw in the story, that on the third day, he rose again. You see, God had said that Jesus must die for a sacrifice to be paid for us to have life. But the plan was never that he would stay in the grave. In fact, it was predicted that he would defeat death and he would rise victorious. It's called the resurrection. And Phil Brown shared about that resurrection he says that when we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that life that Jesus has, it becomes our life. We get to embrace that. It means we can have hope of life eternal because Jesus Christ defeated death. So our faith in Jesus is what, and his resurrection is what gives us access to that eternal life that becomes our hope. And, and that is awesome but again, the fall down of Christianity sometimes is that we sell the hope of Jesus as a bus ticket to heaven. It's a one-time, click the ticket, get on the bus, hey, you're all good, where you go. And we, and we journey through life. In fact, we might even sit in pews like this. We might go to a small group. We might have a bus ticket. We go, this is awesome. But we don't realize that the life and the hope of Jesus is for now. That Jesus came that we would have hope now that we would have joy now, that we could have peace now? What if we could access the healing of Jesus now? And so the power of the message of the empty tomb is that Jesus defeated death and he defeated sickness and that we can access that by faith now. And, you know, right now, I just... I just um, it's really relevant for us to be praying for healing for people who are, are suffering under um, the COVID, um, what do you call it, virus. Just this week, two more text messages from people in this church family. Hey, just want to let you know, we won't be around on Sunday. Uh, we're in isolation. We've got two positive lines on the test. And we say it lighthearted because it happens uh, like 5,000 times a day at the moment. 
But it's actually quite serious because no one knows what, how, how it's going to affect that family. And so I just want to pause and I want to acknowledge that, that not just with COVID, but there are people who are sick. There are people that have had horrible medical diagnosis. There are people that have lost loved ones. There are people that are without hope. But the message of the empty tomb is that we can have hope because Jesus makes the way for healing. Jesus makes the way for wholeness. Jesus makes the way that we can have hope in this life now. And I want to pray. Um, Jesus, firstly, I want to thank you and acknowledge that I do believe that you are the risen son of God, that you died and rose again in order that we could access hope. I thank you that your promise was that, that by your stripes we can be healed. And so now I ask for the gift of faith to believe for healing for those that are at home because they are sick, they've got um, the COVID or they've got another illness or they've got something going on in their lives that is separating them from, from your full life. So we declare healing in the name of Jesus. We declare hope in the name of Jesus. We declare freedom in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price that could only be paid by someone as perfect as you for all of us to experience that. And we bless you. And we say amen and receive that in faith. So look to the cross allows us to see Jesus as the one who died for us. Looking to the tomb allows us to see Jesus as the one who rose again in order that we would be having an access way through. And what I want to share this morning in this message about look to Jesus is the testimony of Jesus. Because um, Phil Brown read this quote out at the end of his message. It was brilliant. It says, the, the, the testimony of Jesus opens up the way for a revelation of Jesus. Which means when we hear about Jesus, when it's read out, this is the testimony, when it's read out, it gives us the chance to understand it, to receive a revelation. And my hope today is that you would be inspired by the Scriptures to receive the revelation of Jesus. And so what I want to talk about in the first half is what I call our present Saviour. Jesus is called the Saviour because he saves us from death. Saviour, our present Saviour. And just four thoughts on that. First, the first thought, and I do have references for those, there are some that like to write notes or come back to the message later. I just want to read to you a verse from, it's in the Bible, it's in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. It says, The Lord Jesus isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. This is the thought I want to share with you, is that God desires that every single person would say yes to this message of hope. God desires that none would perish. That's got to be the message that we carry in our hearts. It's got to be the message when we walk down the street. It's got to be the message when we're sitting with our family who's like, nah, yeah, nah, I just can't get it. No, no, the message is God doesn't want anyone to perish. That's the good news. The second part of that good news is that, that the death of Jesus Christ is sufficient for all people. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter what your day like was yesterday, doesn't matter what your family was like, it doesn't matter all the things you've done in your life that no one even knows about. 
One death by Jesus Christ is sufficient for every person. And if you're writing notes, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2 says this, Jesus is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. One death, effective, or available, sufficient for all people. But there's a flip side to that coin, I have to tell you. There's a flip side to that. The death is sufficient for all, but it's not effective for all. And that's, that's an oxymoron. It's, it's sufficient for everybody, but it's not effective for everybody because everybody has a choice. So it's available. It's on the shelf, so to speak, but not everyone chooses it. And, and the most commonly referred to scripture when we talk about Jesus and you see it on billboards at sports stadiums all around the world is, is found in John chapter 3. I just want to read this to you. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into this world not to judge the world but to save the world through himself. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Jesus, but anyone who does not believe has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. So Jesus is the way, the only way, the access point through which we find hope in God. It's available for everybody. It's sufficient for everybody from, the, from who would, we would consider the worst to the least, the highest to the least. It doesn't matter. One, one saviour for our world. Sufficient for all, but not effective for all because we have choice. That's the message of Jesus. And finally, to summarize it, from Romans chapter 3, I just love this passage because it explains to us why we should look to Jesus and how we should. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses. See, the prediction of Jesus was always in the Bible. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. It means right standing. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sins in times past. For he was looking ahead, including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in the sight, in his sight, when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal was not based on obeying rules. It's based on faith. So we're made right with God through faith and not 
obeying law. This is how we find our way to believe in Jesus. It's, it's why we say, look to Jesus. The whole of, the whole of um, mankind, the history of mankind, hinges on this event this weekend, the, the, the remembrance of the suffering of Jesus on Friday and the remembrance of his new life on Sunday that we are invited into. The whole of history pivots on this. The message of Jesus is for all. We've got to choose how we fit into it. I, I think about the story of Easter. Um, I, I spend this week just reading it different ways, backwards, forwards. And, and I like to look at the characters in the story. I like to think about the people that were present in the story of Jesus. And I, I think about Peter. Peter was one of the the three that were closest to Jesus. He was a friend of Jesus. Peter was one of the 12 disciples. He was faithful, he was diligent, he was determined, he was hard working, but he always put his foot in his mouth. That's what I like about him. I can relate to him. He's the one that denied Jesus publicly. And I wonder how he was feeling and how he would see Jesus through this weekend. You know, we don't read of Peter standing on the top of the hill in the shadow of the cross. Wait, maybe he wasn't there. Maybe he had already gone back to his boat. You know, I wonder about the, the man Pontius Pilate, the governor. I wonder what he thought as he watched Jesus die on the cross, knowing that it was him that gave the command for Jesus to be crucified, knowing that he was innocent. And yet he judged him and convicted him anyway. How did he see Jesus? We, we read in the text, in the story, that John and Mary were, were at the base of the cross, this much larger than this, and they were essentially weep, weeping with such agony that they couldn't stand, looking up at their beloved Jesus as he bled and died. How did they see Jesus? And Jesus even spoke to John and said, this is your mother. Take care of her. There's a, a, a movie I watched once called The Centurion, and it was a, a movie that was created from the perspective of the centurion who stood there watching Jesus die. He watched them take the body down, and he supervised Jesus being carried to the tomb. And you read in the Bible his proclamation when Jesus died. He said, surely. He's a Roman centurion, not raised in the church. He didn't have Sunday school. He didn't know the stories we know. And he looks up and he watches as they carry the body. He says, surely this is the Son of God. And then I like to wonder, how would I respond in the story if I put myself in there? Would I, would I be close to the action, wanting to see what happened? Would I be remembering the things that Jesus already told me, that he must die, that he would raise again? Would I remember that? Or would I be, a, would I be one of the ones throwing stones, accusations, curses, mocking, and unbelieving? 
I don't know. It's hard to tell. Wherever we are in life, we can look to Jesus and find different things. And I've got four passages of Scripture I want to read that share how we might look to Jesus and what we might find. Some instructions to help us with life, because we're all in different places. But the reason I've shared it this way is because it doesn't matter where you are, there is one salvation and it's found in Jesus and it's for every single one of us. And it also, the Bible also teaches us that it doesn't matter how long we've been in church, we still need this. Because you might be one of those ones that got the bus ticket and forgot about it since then. You might be one of those ones that's navigating life and not really sure how you're coping or even if you are coping. The reason that I'm sharing this is from a personal perspective is that one of the things I've been working really hard on this year is to understand that even though as a church leader I'm reading this Bible and I'm trying to apply it to my life, it's still challenging. And that there are parts of my inner world that Jesus still needs to bring healing to. So this is really relevant to me. And I hope it's relevant to you. The first verse that I want to read is from Hebrews chapter 12. And the first two verses, one and two. This is what it says. We, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now that's the heroes in the Bible, but it's also the people sitting around you. Since you're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance, the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. This is one of my favorite verses that describes the motivation for Jesus going to the cross. Fully man, choosing to die, anguished as he went, and it says, because of the joy that he saw, and what I would say to you, friends, is that joy was you. It was a possibility that one day he would be with you. So what, what does this passage tell me? It says, keep my eyes on Jesus. It says, I've got to look to Jesus constantly. I've got, to, I've got to find him in my world. I've got to, even if it's dark, even, if it's, even if, it's, if it's dismal, even if it's uncertain, even if I feel alone, get my eyes on Jesus. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus. How do I do that? It says to strip off the weight, to strip off the sin, to change my life, to allow Jesus to make me a better version of me. And, well, I think we all could do that. And, and, the, and the writer gives us this, um, this analogy of running. And so I would say, run the race well, whatever that means for you. Run well. Run as if to win. The second passage of Scripture that I want to talk about with regards to look to Jesus is found in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, Now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord... You must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. 
Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. Rather, from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over all things. How does this help us? Paul, the writer, says, grow into Jesus. When you spend time with someone, you become like them. I always used to marvel. I've worked with this older couple, and now I feel like we're the older couple, but I used to work with this older couple, and literally he would know what she was going to say before she even said it. They would finish each other's sentences. And as a young man, I was like, well, that's just weird. But those of you that have been married a long time know that's how it happens. You spend life together, you become one. That's a beautiful picture, hopefully. Um, But it's a beautiful picture of how our life with Jesus should be. Grow with him, spend time with him, become like him. I've also got down here, allow him to build your faith. Life is not easy, life is a challenge and it requires faith for all of us. Allow him to give you that gift. You can't conjure it up. You can't stir it up. You certainly shouldn't um, try and use other substances to get yourself faith. You should allow Jesus to give you faith. And the best example of that is is this guy uh, who needs healing in his family. Mark chapter 5, he says, look, I believe, but just give me some faith. I have faith. Help me believe. And the final point I take out of that passage is just to avoid weirdos. I'll let you be the judge of what that looks like. But it does say that in verse, verse 8. You can check the references later. The third thing with regards to looking to Jesus, and again, the power is in what's written in the Bible, not my words, is found in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 1. This is really, really, really important for those of us walking in faith because we have these thoughts that attack us, these doubts that attack us. We sometimes have people that attack us. And we question, are we good enough? Friends, we're never good enough, except that Jesus makes us clean. So, there now is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Friends, we've got to listen to Jesus and we've got to be free from the bondage of our past. Let me explain that. I think that we make so many mistakes growing up that we tangle ourselves. The analogy I use is we tangle ourselves in a rope. And then somehow, by the grace of God, we hear this message and we go, oh, Jesus can help set me free. But you have to spend some time then untangling the rope that you wound yourself up in. It's a picture of bondage. Sin causes bondage, and it limits the life you can live. So this passage says you're not condemned, but you should also be free. And it's been a wake-up call for me as I've um, spent a lot more time through lockdown studying and reading and taking on mentors that I've discovered that, you know what, the most important thing we can do once we get our, our salvation, our bus ticket, is to then work to live in freedom. No longer bound 
no longer, and look, no longer dominated by sinful nature or think about sinful things. But we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, which is the voice of Jesus. We've got to trust the voice of Jesus. Look to Jesus and trust the voice of Jesus. And finally, I thought I'd finish with, John, um, with um, Jesus' own words in John 14. If we look to Jesus, if we follow Jesus, Jesus gives us a promise that whilst he is not with us in body, he has sent his spirit to be with us. Jesus says in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. It means just live the way I taught you to live. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will never leave you. It's the Holy Spirit who will lead you into truth, which means he will help you to live the best way you can. Now, the world won't recognize him, and they can't receive him because they're not looking for him. But you will know him because he will live with you. So when we look to Jesus, we should follow Jesus. We should accept that God has sent us this gift, which is the Holy Spirit. And he is our counselor. He is our comforter. He is our encourager. And he's the one that helps us to live right. And ultimately, this is what helps us to stand apart from the world. We're called to live in the world, but we're not to be the same as the world. And this is the thing that makes it different. God with us. God in us. So as I finish, I have a question for you. As I said to you, um, I often try and immerse myself in this to, to think about how would I see me in this story. And so my question for you is, who are you going to be in the Easter story? Who are you going to be? Are you choosing to be a follower? Someone that says, yep, I'm going to pick up my own cross because I want to access the life Jesus got for me. Or am I going to stand back in the shadows and am I going to be an onlooker? Am I going to watch from a distance? Am I going to judge? Am I going to question? Am I going to, am I going to doubt? And am I going to miss what Jesus has for me? What if, I was, what if I was going to be a mocker? One of the ones throwing stones. Come down there if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. They yelled to Jesus, mocking him. The beauty of the Easter story is that what Jesus has accomplished for us is sufficient for everybody. But the only way it's effective is if we choose to embrace it. And my challenge for you today is inviting you to think about where you are in this story. How are you going to embrace the story? How are you going to look to Jesus? Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for the Word of God, the Bible. That's the story of, that points us to Jesus. I pray today that you'd help us to look to Jesus. You'd help us to see Jesus in the story that we would not only see him, but we would embrace the story and be part of it. For every single person listening to this, my hope is that the testimony of Jesus would open up the way for the revelation of Jesus and that the revelation of Jesus would create a deepness in the relationship with Jesus. 
for each one here. Lord, listening online, listening later on the podcast, Lord, I pray for a revelation of Jesus. For those searching, may you be found by them. For those without hope, may you bring hope. For those without peace, may you bring peace. For those without joy, may you bring joy. Be with us today and forevermore. Amen.